Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, welcome back to uh, our Facebook Live. I uh, hope everyone had a good holiday season and ready to kick off 2023. So here we are in our first teaching and first part. Of course, we're in the middle of a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're doing chapter 7. We're coming close to the end of that. But uh, so we're just going to pick up where we left off. We've had a couple of weeks off from Facebook Live. And so tonight we're going to resume where we were. If you've missed any of these teachings and would like to catch up, uh, then you could visit our website at www.housechurchesusa.net or .com, excuse me. And uh, also you could uh, look us up on Oikos Ministries Facebook page. Uh, all these are archived there and you can hear these teachings there as well. So uh, I pray that you're keeping up. Uh, we, we've been noticing that our uh, the mileage we're getting on these sermons is pretty good. We, uh, we, Facebook said that we reached over 45,000 people last month with the teachings. So I pray that these are going out far and wide and many people are hearing the truth of God's word. And I pray you're being blessed by them. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, the seventh chapter. Uh, and last, our last video call, uh, I called it, uh, dogs and hogs. Uh, and so uh, that one got a lot of mileage. I want to tell you, a lot of people have viewed it on that. And, and uh, I guess uh, uh, prayerfully, more people are just saying, hey, man, we should repent of wallowing in the mire and eating our own vomit. Uh, so basically, I pray that this would be a powerful thing to either escape that that situation and and avoid it altogether. I mean, that's why these warnings are written. And so we were dealing with the subject of judge not, and then we went right into dogs and hogs, which I believe those people who have returned to their vomit and returned to their wallowing in the mire are the very ones who are going to be the first to say, you're judging me. And uh, we need to be aware of that scenario. So in verse 7, it kicks off from there. I'm going to read the entirety of what I'm going to cover tonight. It says, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things that whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even also uh, so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So tonight we're going to deal with, uh, it seems like Jesus almost switches subjects, but I don't believe he does. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is consistent on a theme. I believe the Sermon on the Mount is introducing us to kingdom living. And, and without any question whatsoever, the central theme of Jesus' teaching and preaching was the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, these are inter interchangeable terms. They're not two different things. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He's, it was is really what Jesus was gathering people to, and this 
pushes away the idea that the nation of Israel, a, 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 a physical geographical site, to now uh, and, and, and uh, the international, it's basically to all people's languages and tongues, every tribe, nation, tongue, the kingdom of God, an everlasting kingdom with no boundary, and its king and its kingdom will know no end, and King Jesus will rule forever over this kingdom. So Jesus is teaching us how to be a good citizen of the kingdom, and he shows us the nine Beatitudes and basically the new birth, the character of the new birth. Uh, the blessings of the new birth that would just come out of the, the idea of the new heart and the new spirit that comes with the being born again. And so we've gone through all those teachings. I'm not going to go back over them. What I'm trying to show you is a context here. He, I don't believe he shifts gears or, or, or switches to just a scattergun effect. I believe there's a context to this Sermon of the Mount and a, and a flow to it that continues on. One of the major themes after he leaves chapter five and chapter six, he teaches us on on, on uh, prayer and almsgiving and fasting and, uh, and, and really not to get caught up in materialism. And we'll c- touch a little bit of that very end of that chapter in just a few minutes. But, and then it moves on to chapter seven, judge not that you be not judged. And we've dealt with all that just recently. So now we get to this issue, ask, seek, and knock. And if you built an, 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 uh, an acronym that ask, A-S-K, ask, seek, knock, and the principle is basically one that I've always understood to be prayer and how do we seek God. And I don't think that's error, but I think there's more to it, way more to it than just the prayer life. And so when we see ask, seek and knock, the asking point or that just as we uh, look at Matthew six, we'll start there. I want to build on that point of ask. And it says in um, verse uh, eight in Matthew six, eight. Be not therefore like unto them. And he's talking about verse seven. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their much speaking. Be not you therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you need of him before you ask him. And so basically we're seeing an enlargement and a furtherance of that same thought that we ask God. We make petition to God. We ask of him. And it says, if we ask, we will receive it. We will receive what we're asking for. And this is literally the prayer of faith that we believe that if we petition God, he will give us what we ask him for. And it's strengthened. If you look in Matthew 18, it says, we're two or three gathered together. Whatsoever thing they ask in my name, if you're in agreement, uh, it shall be done. This is a very powerful promise. And and I mean, I, as a matter of fact, I don't think there's a greater promise on this side of the cross than that one. The fact that he says, when two or three gather together in my name, whatever you ask, if you're agreement, you're, if you have no uh, blocks in your agreement, he said, it shall be done. Now, this is a fantastic promise that basically hinges uh, an open-ended, God said, I will meet you there because where two or three gather, there I am in the midst. And so it's not the power of prayer. It's the power of the presence of God in the midst of the agreeing people, the people who have lived in such a way they keep their lives from being offensive to one another. We have no offenses. And that's the key to literally strong prayer. And so if we have offenses up, it's God's not going to hear it. If we look in the context of Matthew six, you may have heard these passages starting in verse uh, um uh, nine, it says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye our father, which art in heaven. You ever heard that? Hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we. Somebody say out there, as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespass, neither will your father Forgive your trespasses. Now, this, I believe, is going to factor in heavily as I build the context on everything that we're about to deal with in the ask, seek, not principle. And so, again, an acronym, A, ask, S, seek, K, knock, ask, seek, knock. And it is a principle of prayer. and It's a principle of approaching God and staying with it. The idea is not just to ask one time or seek one time or knock one time. It's a continual Asking, seeking, knocking, pressing the issue until God hears your prayer. And so without, uh, without a shame, uh, a shame in this, we ask, we ask him for our particular, we bring them to him. And he says that if we have unforgiveness, this is the blockade for all of that. Forgive us our debts as we. Now we're, we're asking God to forgive us and we want to be forgiven just like we forgive others. As we forgive our debtors, God is able to forgive us of any issue we may have in our life. But I'll tell you right now, if we won't forgive others, neither will God forgive us. It's as simple as that. He's given us enough rope to hang or save ourselves with that he will not go any further than we're willing to go. And that's the key. God wants to see, just as when Abram when God tested Abram, I never forget this. When I was a young Christian, I read that God asked Abram to put his son to death. He said, take your son Isaac and offer him to me on the altar. And I saw, wow, it immediately hit me. Isn't this what God did with his son, Jesus? Now, I was a brand new Christian, a brand new believer. I didn't have a whole lot of Bible in my understanding, but I was just like, this is Ab God's asking Abram to do something he had never done. He hadn't killed the son yet, but did. Oh, my word. Sorry, folks out there in Facebook land, we had a technical difficulty and my cell phone holder jumped out the rack. It was demonic, I believe. <laughs> it had a life of its own, just like most of your Facebook stuff. And so anyway, the uh, Abram, uh, the Bible says that G God, God slew, that Jesus was slain from the very foundation of the world. So in the heart and mind of God, Jesus was slain before the world began. That, that, and so God was testing Abram to see if he's willing to do everything that God would do. And I believe God's testing us the same way. Or we will, we say, God, give me mercy. And he gives us mercy. God, forgive me. He forgives us. God, help me. He helps us. We petition God for our needs and he does it. And God will do it. Listen to me carefully. God will do this for the saved and the unsaved. He does it for the just and the unjust, for the righteous and the unrighteous. God is a good God, and he lets his rain fall on the just and the unjust. The sun comes up, the, the, even the wicked man's garden will grow, and his crops will bring forth. I want to tell you, God is a good God, and the whole world can experience the goodness of God. But hear me carefully. Also, on the other side of that coin, even the righteous could find out that the trouble hits their house just as it would with the unrighteous. But God wants to see, are we willing to do for others what he, he, we ask him to do for us? 
Or is this whole thing some selfish enterprise of what can I get out of God and using him to an end? And don't think for a second, God doesn't understand the thought, motive, the intent of our own hearts. He knows what's happening there. And he puts it to the test as we forgive our debtors. Keep moving with me. In Matthew 21, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Again, we're still on the ask principle. Excuse me, the pages are stuck. Technical difficulty. Boy, first first time back in the new year, I guess we have a Christmas cookie sugar between the pages or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Matthew, we're going to start in verse 19. I want to get a context to this reading. We're in Matthew 21, 19. When he saw a fig tree of the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said to it, let no fruit grow on you for henceforth, uh, henceward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. And here we have the prayer, a believing prayer, believing you shall receive. And I want to tell you, a lot of people say, well, why didn't this happen? And why didn't that happen? Well, Jesus always said it's according to your faith. He also said, when the Son of Man coming, will he find faith in the earth? We're in an unbelieving generation right now. And if I could build a case for this just for a moment, let me tell you something. Most church folks do not believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Most now do not believe that. Most, many, many church folks don't believe in a literal creation story. Multitudes believe that the early parts of the Genesis story are, are fictional uh, and, and, and it's just made up. And, and so multitudes of people who claim to practice Christianity, they have the Christian religion, but they have no faith in God. They have no faith in the word of God. They do not believe God's word. And so you may carry rote principles, and, and that's what many liturgical churches and uh, d- denominational type worlds do. And uh, they, they make much prayer, many beads and all these kind of things, and just say a whole lot and in their much speaking. They think it's going to get done, but there is no faith. And I can tell you right now, by experience, I can tell you that you can get caught up in tradition and find yourself faithless. You, you know, with the, with the person that came to Jesus and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes we have that uh, dichotomy going on inside of us. We believe, help my unbelief, that there's a wrestling in there. I believe you, God, but there's an unbelief that's there right in there with me. And we wrestle that out till we believe. He said, whatever things you ask, believing that you receive them. Here, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, ask. And it shall be given you for everyone who asks receives it. And so the issue of asking is one thing and that's faith. It's faith to go to God and ask. But do you understand how much faith it takes to receive? Let me tell you a story of unbelief on my part. One time 
I had a need. We were so broke. We were poor. I mean, we didn't have any money in our early days of our Christian walk. And uh, boy, I just didn't have no money. It wasn't nothing coming in. And I, and I told the Lord exactly what I needed. I told no man. And I said, God, I need $700 in the worst kind of way. Please make a way. Now, I'm not going to call names in this, but if I name the names, most of you Baton Rougeans and surrounding people would know who I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, this person came to me and he said, brother, the Lord laid it on my heart to give you $700. Now, I'm telling you, I made this petition known to no one. I mean, no one. And when I tell you that guy came up and to this penny said, I got $700 for you. And you know what I did? I said, brother, I could never take your money from you. I got to be dumber than a box of rocks. I'm telling you, I'm dumber than a fence post. Proud is what that is. It, I did not know how to receive in those days. I really didn't. I'm telling you, it was amazing that this man came up and offered me the exact money, cash money of what I needed. Oh boy, everything in me wanted to grab that money and go, but my pride said no. Well, another long story short, God, if you want to show you how much God loves his stupid children, when he called us sheep, that is not flattering. Oh, look how cute and cuddly. No, he's pointing out the stupid. We are dumb, dumb, dumb. Sheep are not smart critters. I'm telling you, they're not. And so, he, look, there was this pile of metal in my backyard. I'd been there for years. My father-in-law asked us to move it around. So I said, well, let me go take care of that. I didn't have nothing else to do. Maybe I can get a few dollars at the scrapyard. And I piled up this pile of metal on my doggone trailer and took it to the scrap metal and got $700. Glory be to God. He was trying to show me something. Boy, I, I hope I learned something in all that. But he said, ask. And then receive, believing you receive it. Look, man, I, you know, <clears throat> people in every religion pray. People in every denomination pray. Everybody prays, but nobody expects answers. We go, oh, oh. We, get, we get a faith. oh, God answered a prayer. Oh, like, like magic happened or something. You know, it's like the pool of that. Maybe the one dude got to... This is the norm in the Christian faith, in the kingdom of God. We ask and believing we receive. And when we get the faith and unbelief out of us, we receive things from God. Come on. I hope somebody's hearing that out there. Don't be dumb. When God wants to help. But look, on the other side of that, here we got these prosperity people talking believe me, go look in every archive of anything I've ever preached. If you got access to something I preach, you've ever heard, I am not a prosperity preacher. You better know that. And the fact is, I don't sit there and give to get and all that stuff. I, we don't play that game. That's just a, a lie. But let me tell you, when we begin believing prayer, ask and you shall receive. And anyone who asks, believing they will receive, they will receive what's done. And when we see the miracle of the cursing of the fig tree, which I believe was a cursing of all religion, when we see that cursing of the fig tree, I won't get into that, but that's what I believe. And when you see that religion cursed and, and dry up immediately, because he turned right around, went in there and cast all the money changers out of the temple. I don't want to get cast out of the temple. I, I want to tell you, I'm not a money changer. 
All right. So ask and believe that you receive and you're going to have what you have. I'll tell you, somebody say, well, you're saying they don't have no faith. And that's why, well, maybe we are saying that. Maybe it's time to examine that. Maybe we aren't receiving things because we don't have faith. Maybe it's something that she'd be looked at now because of reason and science and pride and human uh, uh, reasoning and, and, and lack of experience and unbelief and false doctrine. I could just go on and on why prayer isn't answered. And we shake a fist at God. Nobody ever blames men or devils, but we always blame God. Why didn't God do this? I don't know. Why don't you believe him? Why didn't God help me? I don't know. Why don't you ever seek his word? Huh. Right now, the whole National Football League just learned to pray instantly. They learned all of a sudden everybody's Tim Tebow and they're praying, oh, Lord, help, help this brother. Don't die. No, they're praying, Lord, don't let them know that the COVID is killing the people. The jab. There I go. I ought to not make Facebook. That's the, the NFL's praying. Please don't let them know that we mandated a, a jab for everybody and that's killing 20 year old people. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive. Everybody praying now. Facebook, everybody's praying. But who's praying? And who believes? Did we go radio silent out there? Let's go back to Matthew 7 over there. We'll launch point number two. If y'all didn't like ask, you'll probably like seek less. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. I don't see any maybes in there. I don't. I see absolutes written here in the Word of God, and I'm not basing lack of experience or uh, uh, lack of fruit in these. I'm not basing. I'm not basing my understanding of this based on what I know and, and experience. I look at what God said. He said, "Ask and it shall be given." That that word in in, in the Greek "shall" means it shall. It's got. It's gonna happen. Seek and you shall find. You see, let me tell you about this acronym ASK. When I was thinking about this and pray about it, yeah, we're in a digital generation, so let me bring up a dig digital kind of thought. You know, we, how many of you have ever been misunderstood on a text? Easy to miscommunicate on a text. And I, and I kind of look at uh, asking like the text realm of that. Because we just throw out a I want list. We go Christmas shopping to God. Then you go to the next one. Seek. See, I believe that's a seeking diligent search of the word of God. And it's, a, and, and it's seeking to me. That's like, OK, uh, we, I misunderstood on text. Let me call them. We'll clear this up. And we still because we're mad at the text, we still don't get it right. And then the knock. I got to communicate face to face. Eye to eye, ear to ear. I have to see body language. I have to read voice. To, I, I got to talk to you in person. And a communion would take place. Ask and it shall be given. He who asks, believing, will receive. He shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, this issue on knocking is pretty amazing. And it's a kind of a large subject in the New Testament. And in particular, I'm going to borrow some thoughts from the, the book of uh, Luke, uh, excuse me, on seeking, excuse me, seeking. In Hebrews 11, I'm going to start there. It says in Hebrews 11, 
verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It goes on to say, By faith we understand that the worlds were made by the word of God. And the things that are were made with things that do not exist. They were made from a better and a heavenly substance. God didn't take earthly materials and make something. He spoke things into existence with the divine word. By faith, we understand that. He doesn't say we just know. We understand that. By faith, we understand the heavenly substance. It goes on to say, and he that comes to God must believe that he is. There ain't no debate here. There ain't no, we got to study origins or we, no. He who comes to God must, this is an absolute, must believe that he is. And so the idea of the existence of God is not up for question with me. It's not up for debate. I couldn't care less what you think about that. I couldn't care less if you're agnostic or atheist or whatever you want to do. As a matter of fact, you have to be some sort of believer to deny the existence of it. Of it. To, to deny the existence of God, you have to believe in God to deny it. And it just makes you dumb, not an atheist or an agnostic. It just makes you dumb. Okay, have you ever denied the existence of blitlikalik? Well, never heard of that. That's why you've never denied the existence of it. I made it up. God is God and people have to deny his existence. Why? To justify and make themselves feel good about where they are and not deal with the consequence of the looming judgment that's on their wicked souls. So he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not casually, not uh uh, you know, with a lackadaisical attitude, I'm talking about the diligent search for God. And, and I see it's in a generation now where, okay, let's, let's look at it. it Facebook's a wonderful, uh, thing to deal with here. Think about Facebook. If it lasts more than three words, we're done. 30 seconds, we're over with. Think about it. Put an in-depth teaching on Facebook and see what's going to happen. These videos, I mean, come on, man. Who's going to listen for an hour? Only some a faithful few out there. But let me tell you what. The diligent seeker of God is going to search. They're going to make a search. And we're going to deal with that. I, want to, I, I just want to pick up on a few things that I, that I thought were outstanding here. Uh, in Matthew 20, well, let's go to uh, Matthew 6. Let's go there. Very, very end of Matthew 6, verse 33. I mentioned this a little earlier in our introduction. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I believe this verse 33 is literally a New Testament, almost like a covenant with us. We're told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those things shall be added unto us. Now, what things? Uh, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall put on. Not, I mean, consider the lilies. Consider 
the birds of the air. Consider, consider that nature is taken care of by the God of nature. It's not mother nature. It's father nature. It's father God who is over nature. He is the, the creator of nature. And so God takes care. His eye is on the sparrow and he takes care for what he has created. And he said, if he clothes, clothes the flowers, he clothes and he, he feeds the birds. How much more shall he take care of those who are his? He's literally telling you, man, with confidence, believe God. Believe him. I stand amazed. 41 years of following God. I stand amazed at how he's met me. I just am amazed every day that God is God. Am I in unbelief? No, I'm grateful, thankful. Oh, God, you're so good. He's met me every step of the way. We walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know where it goes next. We just keep walking and he keeps meeting. Put a foot down with God and watch. He just keeps meeting you there. Glory be to God. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Would I need again, once again, to build on this? How many of y'all know there is a righteousness, the new covenant, the righteousness of the new covenant is by faith. Right? Where do we get faith? By hearing the word of God. Three ways, really. It's a gift from God, hearing God's word and praying in the Holy Ghost. We get faith from those three arenas, the gift of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and praying in the Holy Spirit. All three of these are literally pumping faith into belief into us. And it's no wonder we're in an unbelieving generation when prayer is at a minimum. When when literally seeking God is basically reduced down to going to church a few times. Come on, man. If you call that seeking God. I mean, when I was in the world, lost as a goose, my search for God was better than that. I'm serious. I was searching way harder than just going to church. As a matter of fact, I think the word church is almost taboo to the kingdom at this point because church has been made a, a mockery and it's literally been hijacked by satanic influence. And what we're dealing with now is so far from the kingdom of God. You really don't have to have any faith at all to go to church, but you do have to have faith to be a citizen of God's kingdom. You can fake it in church. You can be an absolute heathen in church. You can live like the devil and go to church. And I'm telling you, some lying prophet will tell you a member in good standing. You go to heaven. They'll even speak over your casket and tell you how you're an angel now. And you're now in better place and you're doing good while you're burning to a crisp in hell. And your friends are being lied to by the preacher. But you can't fake it in the kingdom of God. There's a reality there in the citizenry of God. That you have to be what you confess. Now, stay with it. Seek and you shall find. He who, that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Consider it. Keep thinking it through. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How is the righteousness of faith? How do we get faith? It's a gift of God. By hearing God's word. And by praying in the Holy Spirit, we get 
our faith encouraged and built up this way. It, it starts with initially with God just giving you faith. And then we seek out the word of God. I believe in the diligent search. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Search out the word. Study to show yourself approved. We don't get gold, silver, and precious stones on the top of the ground. We have to dig for these things. We have to dig for the riches of God's treasure and seek him out. And this isn't a one-time thing. Seek, for he who seeks shall find. And I tell you, are we only satisfied with little niblets of, 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 of revelation here and there or, or, or getting something that somebody has handed down a revelation to you? Or do we seek it out till we find it? It's one thing for you to hear that somebody struck oil or found gold. It's another thing for you to strike it and you to find the gold. Come on, man. We're talking about the gold of your faith, the silver of your redemption, the brass and fiery brass of your judgment, the fine jewels of your heaven. This is what we're talking. Seek these things out. Seek and you shall find. When you start saying, and I hear Christians, I hear people who go to church all the time. I don't understand that book. I just don't understand it. Well, you've made your confession. You're carnal. The carnal mind cannot receive the things of God. You don't understand a thing because you ain't searching. You ain't looking. It's amazing to me that folks who will search out every kind of foolishness. You'll learn how to play every facet of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Game of Thrones? What, one of them stupid video games. They're all stupid. And so you, you'll search out, you learn how to, I mean, men will know how to, here's what color bait you need. Here's what tackle you need. Here's what depth you have to, here's what the pH of the water has to be. Here's what day you go. Here's what side of the, here's where the area is. This is what you do to catch them. You know all that stuff and you don't know nothing about the salvation. You are dumber than a box of hammers when it comes to salvation. But you can search out anything. Men will spout out what they know and they'll know everything about the politics and this and that. And they know nothing of the word of God. You'll take your baby every kind of football sign or, 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 or hand signal for baseball. We'll teach them every play for every sport and every activity going. But you can't teach you. Let me take them in and let them show them, draw pictures of Noah's Ark. And that's about all they'll ever know. Maybe they'll learn something at church. You don't know nothing about nothing about nothing. Because you've not diligently sought God out. You've not sought him in his word. Did I tell you how to turn the page? Not yet, have I? All right. Turn to uh, Matthew 28. This is profound to me. Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Luke 24. You know what the, all three of those have in common? Last chapter of the what's called the synoptic gospels. That would be the three gospels that kind of run correlating with each other, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the last chapter of each one of these gospels, they all say something very similar. And it's really cool. I like this. In, in, in chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary uh, came Mary Magdalene and Mary uh, the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, 
fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Look at there, they're seeking Jesus. Now think about this. They watched him tried. They watched him arrested and tried and whipped. They watched this. They watched him crucified. They watched him die. They watched when they buried him. And you seek Jesus. And I love this. The angel said, which was crucified. He's not here. I like this. He's not here. For he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Look at that. You seek Jesus who is crucified. I want to tell you, I believe there's so many people there today that are still seeking dead Jesus. Who was crucified. We're seeking Jesus as son of man. We don't know him as son of God. We're still seeking him in the tomb. Man, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and behind the altar and there at the priest, behind the priest was a dead Jesus hanging on the cross. I wonder why they don't put a throne and hang a throne up there with live Jesus over Mary. Put his foot on her head or something. But I mean, talking about a living Jesus, a live King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It didn't say Queen of Queens. It's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mary don't have this. Jesus got this. Come on. You're seeking dead Jesus. We're seeking earthly Jesus. All we want from him is what he can do for us. Give me healing of my physical body. Give me some uh, feed to 5,000. Jesus, uh, uh, deliver me from the devil. We want Jesus for everything he can do to make us life better right now. Well, if you understood the risen Jesus, maybe you'd be seeking, seeking something else. The book of Colossians tells us that uh, and, and you, you, if we've been mortified, we were, if we were, if we then be risen with Christ, Set our affections on things above and not on things of earth. We are so earthly minded that we all we can deal with is, Lord, get me through the day. Get me some food. Get me some clothes. Give me some money. Give me some health. Give me fix my marriage. Deliver me from my devils. Uh, uh, Come on, man. What are we seeking? If that's where we are, where's the rest? You're seeking among the dead. What about the living? So few know how to actually live in God. All we're trying to do is get God to help us live. God continue to dwell among men. No, God said, you come dwell among gods. Come on, dwell among the living. Set your affections on things above. You're not still quit you like men. If you can't, if you've run with the, uh, the, the with, with the footmen and been wearied, how can you contend with horses? When are we going to look at men and the born again man and the new birth as a supernatural partaker of the divine nature who is lifted up above a lost sin and death? Who's going to make the diligent search to look at him among the living and not among the dead? I serve a living God, not a dead one. He's not here. He's risen. They made him come look at the tomb. Come here and look at it. That's where he was. He ain't there no more. Quit looking in the tombs. He's risen. 
He's alive and our faith needs to be just as alive. Matthew, Mark and Luke all said the same thing. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Let's go back to Matthew 7. I didn't know if uh, this was going to take a while. I guess it is. Matthew 7. And to him that knocks, it shall be open. Knocking. You remember my little uh, illustration? Texting. Bad. We could get into some bad communication. Sometimes in prayer, we don't even know how to ask or pray. You ever run out of words in prayer? Do you ever say, I don't even know what I'm supposed to ask for, how I'm supposed to ask it. And that's a bad text. Seek. Well, I better call. I better get a little bit more personal with God. God, I'm seeking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for you in prayer. I'm searching you out in prayer. I'm looking for you in the word. I'm looking for answers here, God. But I believe that whenever we really reach where God wants us to be, it's. I need to see you face to face. I believe this is the place where God wants his people to dwell in communion with him. I believe that the whole enterprise is there and it is procedural. There are steps involved. But look, the, the steps, so many get discouraged. I ask it, nothing happened. I read the Bible. I didn't understand it. We never get to the knocking. There's so few who, who want to go in and commune with him and him with us. Let's borrow a few passages from the book of Luke once again. Look at Luke 11. Very similar passage to the one we're in in Mark 6, I mean Matthew 6, excuse me, in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 11. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said to them, which, which of you, I like this, watch carefully. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Now, look, when you come to my door at midnight, look, right now, if you come to my door at seven o'clock, I'm going to go, huh? <laughs> My friend Tim called me the other day. I'm telling what time was it? Six thirty, seven o'clock. I said, he said, I said, hello. He said, are you in bed? I said, yeah. He said, good for good for the night. I said, yes. You want me to call you when I wake up? You don't want to make that deal with me. Trust me. You do not want me to call you when I wake up. Which of you having a friend at midnight? Look, if you got, if you knock at my door at midnight, you better have sirens on and lights shining. Something there better be an EMS with you. There's no reason to get three loaves in America at night at midnight. Okay, not right now anyway in this climate. Keep reading. Friend, lend me three loaves. If you say that to me at midnight, I don't know if we're gonna be friends. For a friend of mine, everybody just ushered in the new year. Yeah, right. They were blowing them things out. I saw in logs. Y'all probably heard me snoring above the fire poppers. And look, he said, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. 
I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, look at this. It says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds. Him that knocks it shall be opened. And if the son of, uh, shall ask bread of any of you, I'll get to that later. I won't go into that right now. I want you to notice this is in context of what Matthew was saying. Ask, seek, and knock. All right. And so he, he doesn't get up because it's his partner out there knocking on the door. He gets up because his partner won't quit knocking on the door. Hey! Get up! I know you got bread. I'm out of bread. Hey! You up? I am now. Go away. I want to go back to sleep. I need bread. He'll get up because of the persistence in it. You see, you and I run out of gas. So I wish we could pray like my dog. All my dog needs is cellophane crinkling in my hand. And that dog will sit there with focus, laser vision focus, and never, I mean, the eyes will never shift till he gets what he wants. I tried that on it. My dog go to the bowl and start eating. I go and I get right next to it and stare at it. He don't care. <laughs> I ain't sharing with it. There's, it's not even an option that she would share her food with me. But we'll stare you down to get your food. Y'all all know if you got a dog, you know what I'm talking about. It's really a terrible thing. We said dog's a man best friend. That dog would eat you if he could. Let me tell you, that's a terrible animal. I won't, so I won't get political, but they are Democrats. The fact is that they just, oh, never mind. The point, if we can learn to laser focus and ask God without a shame, without quitting, in, I mean, he said, I will not cease to praise you until you come down and make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. We will not hold our peace day or night. If we can't, you make Jerusalem a praise in the earth, we will not cease day or night until you come down and make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This is the kind of tenacity in prayer it would take to break through with God. So, ask, seek, knock. Let me bring you another one right here from the book of Luke. Luke was really strong on this point. Look at Luke 13. Luke 13, chapter 13. Verse 23, then said unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and should not be able to. Now, I believe there's a lot of people who want to go to heaven. They'll seek to enter in, but they ain't liking that straight gate. Now, we're going to get back to this on another. There's a whole other teaching. It's coming up in the Sermon on the Mount in a couple of weeks here. Maybe next week. But they don't want that straight gate. We want a broad way. I mean, we want to, I mean, wait, make the way wide. We need a lot of people to go in because ain't none of us got any intention of changing our lifestyles. We have bought into just as I am theology and there's nothing we could ever do to send away that day of grace. We are secured because the prophet said so. The preacher said so. Now I want to tell you folks, 
when we start dealing with an idea of where we are now, it said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many will seek to enter in and won't be able to. Keep reading. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. They shall begin to say, we've eaten and drunk in your presence and you've taught in our streets. He'll say, I tell you, I know not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Huh. When God gets up and shuts the door, I read it this morning. We were in that place with Noah's Ark uh, yesterday and today. I just read that about Noah's Ark. And it said, and it says, and, uh, and the Lord shut them in. He shut the door. There comes a day when God's going to shut the door. And you can knock all you want to. Wouldn't you uh, just imagine the day before you could have entered Noah's Ark and been uh, saved from utter destruction. But can you imagine for the 40 days and 40 nights of rain on the earth? Huh? I would about like to know how many claw marks were on the boards outside of the Ark. I bet there was nail fingernails scraping that side. And I mean, trying to get in. They all thought he was an idiot. Then they thought he was the wisest man on the planet because he was. And he sure wasn't in the majority. He and his family got saved. Most of them, he should have kicked them off the boat. They just come because they had to. Folks, let me tell you something. There's a day when... We'll keep knocking. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door. It's in this church age. It's called the Laodicean church age. Read it in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. He said, he said, in the Laodicean church age, he said, uh, he said, I know your works that you're neither hot nor cold. I would that you were hot nor cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold tried in the fire. You said, because I'm rich and, and, and I have, I have an increase with goods. I have no need of nothing. He said, I tell you, you are poor and wretched and blind and miserable and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I believe he's talking to this generation. You see, knocking, that means we want to come in and have an inner action a a a a physical uh interaction with you i want to see you not by text not by telephone not by email i want to talk to you i want a personal connection with you i stand at the door if any man will open the door i will come into him and sup with him and he with me many right now i watch people right now in the same room texting each other at the same food table texting each other They don't want personal relationship. We don't know our next door neighbors. We don't know people around us. We don't want people to come in and impose on our lives. We don't want it. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. We're in that generation where nobody wants that kind of relationship because we're too busy. We're too selfish. We're too self-centered and we're too independent minded. It's pride. 
<clears throat> we don't need friends. I want to tell you right now, you go to a third world country and people who even disagree theologically know better than to burn bridges with their friend, with their neighbor. They help each other. They know they need each other. Because there ain't no government coming to bail them out. See, I think many are in the broad way right now. Many, many. I'm talking to America right now. There are many Americans in the broad way right now. We got Broadway Church. Hollywood. Broadway. Celebrity Church. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. But folks, you hear me tell... There comes a day when God will shut the door and say, knock all you want. Judgment finna hit you and ain't nothing you're going to do about it. Some of you have already sinned away your day of grace. Some of you right now can hear my voice and I'm telling you, you got no recourse. This ought to make the rest of us shiver. Go back to Matthew 7. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 9. What man is there of you of whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them who ask him? Can you imagine your child asks for breakfast and you lay a, a scorpion on the table? Huh? I'm hungry. Here, baby, eat this rock. It'll do you some good. Who'd be so cruel? Now I wouldn't put it past nobody. There's some really cruel people out there. The book of Luke goes on to say, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Ghost to them who ask. And to me, this is the epitome of the answered prayer. The Holy Spirit is the, the kingdom come is the answer to prayer. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are literally asking God to send the Holy Spirit. Give us more of your Holy Spirit. When we understand the presence of God is always the answer. Not what we can get out of God, but God himself is the answer. Not the material thing, because let me tell you, when God shows up, the material thing wanes in his presence. Verse 12, and I want you to see this. Therefore, you know what that means? You know what therefore means? What I'm about to say, whatever I just said there right before this, therefore leads to this. Watch carefully. Yeah. How many of y'all ever heard of the golden rule? See, I believe ask, seek, and knock is totally connected to the golden rule. Because we're saying, I ask you, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. Help me with this, help me with this. Lord, bail me out of this. Lord, think of your petitions. Think of what you ask God for all the time. Think. Seek. And we seek God. So many are seeking God. God, I'm seeking. Lord, please help me get a better job. Lord, help me, uh, help me get my marriage. Lord, help me get uh, off drugs and alcohol. Lord, help me, uh, help me with this sin I'm dealing with. Lord, help me get some money. Lord, help me. Not, Lord, I'll even come to church if you'll save me. 
I'll even try to come visit your house. I'll try. We'll make all kind of deals with God. Ask, seek, knock. But look at this. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The summary of all we read in the Old Covenant. Here's the summary. Whatever, whatever you would that men would do to you, do also unto them. We should take the leadership and initiative. Here it is, folks. Catch the context. If you're, if you're bold enough to ask God to help you, to seek Him, to knock and for His presence, God, give me this. God, forgive me. God, have mercy. God, bless me. God, help me. God, whatever. Fill in the blank. God's willing. I'm telling you He's willing. Even in the most mundane asking, He's willing. God's good. And I believe in the, in the purest forms of faith, He puts no parameters on how good He is and, and, and your motives for asking, if it's pure. If we're bold enough to go to Him and ask Him, God, we know You're great. Help me. Whatever You would that men should do, you need to be exactly like that to them. You have to have the godlike nature and character, the partaker of the divine nature, and begin to do for them what you would ask God to do for you. And however you would that men would treat you, you should treat them that way. If you're asking God for mercy, you know what you better do for people? Give them mercy. If you're asking God for money, you know what you ought to do for people? Oh, can we go there? Take it from the prosperity preacher and give it to somebody who actually needs it. Let that sucker go broke. That's what he needs to do. Some of you prosperity preachers out there right now, I pray, dear God, I pray your kingdom would fall on this earth so maybe your soul might get saved and spared the judgment. Some of you need to lose everything. You're building, you're following everything. Take it from them, folks. You're the one empowering that foolishness. Give it to somebody who actually needs it. Go cure homelessness. <laughs> Come on. If you're willing to ask God for whatever your petition may be, are you willing to do that for another person that you can see? How can you say you love God who you don't see and you don't even know what he looks like, but you won't help a brother right there by you? You see, the golden rule, the law and the prophets, everything on the law and prophets. Let me read you a couple of verses before we close. Look at this thing. Turn with me to Matthew 22. I love when people say, I'm not on the law, I'm under grace. And then they begin to quote the law. Matthew 22, verse 33. Excuse me, verse 35. <clears throat> then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the in the what? In the law. Jesus said to him, now, now this is amazing because how many New Testament churches have this for their vision? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, soul and with all your mind. And the first this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang what? All the law and the prophets. Wow. Wow. Wait a minute. 
The New Testament commandment, uh, the Old Testament law and prophets is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We, it's easily transferred, and rightfully so, to a New Testament vision. This is what God was trying to get across all along. Love him with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. Love him, love people, love him and let it pour out to others. The more you receive the love of God, the more you should reciprocate it to others. People ought to know God because they know you. Not that you are God because you've been in his presence and it's you're over. <laughs> I'm overflowing. With the goodness of it. Come on, man. You got the gall and audacity to ask, seek and knock. Well, then you better be the willing to listen and give and open up to those who are seeking it from you. Is that fair? Why not? God's looking. What is his judgment? I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was I was sick and in prison. You came and visited me. When? When you did it to one of the least. Well, God, that ain't important. What was important was the anointing. Oh, oh, the music was so good. Oh, the anointing was so good. Hey, here's some anointing. Go out there where it stinks, where there are poor people are, where it hurts, and serve somebody. <coughs> That's the anointing. <coughs> Excuse me, just choked on that high point. One last passage and I'm going to stop. Mark 12 and we'll end it right here. Mark 12. <clears throat> 28th verse. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered them, the first of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, <clears throat> you shall love the neighbor as yourself. Therefore, there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, you have said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You could have no greater religious service than to love God and to show, serve people with that love of God. And Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly. He said to him, you are not far from church. Mm -hmm. That ain't what he said, is it? You're not far from the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And no man after that dared ask him any question. You see, you could fake it in the synagogue. You can fake it in the cathagogues of today. You cannot fake it in the kingdom of God. You're either living as a kingdom citizen that you've been in the presence of God and you're overflowing. His mercy and goodness have overflowed into you and now your brimming cup runneth over. He hath prepared a table for me in the presence of mine enemy. There ain't no more enemy now. It's like everybody, I want to just pour out the love of God. Or you realize that wicked people turn to God and pray? 
Evil turn to God and pray. Everybody seeks God. You know what? He's a good God. Are we good people because we've been in his goodness? Because he's going to demand it of us. And what will you do for them? But Lord, we don't like them. And he said, well, I don't like you either. Oh, could God say, yeah, he's gonna depart from me. I never knew you. You worker of iniquity. Okay, ask, seek, and knock. Because if you ask, you sh it shall be given. You will receive if you believe. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open to you. God will come in and commune with you. And his presence will come to you. And if we're going to do that and impose that on God, we have to be willing to be imposed upon by others. May God bless and keep you till we meet again next week. Have a great week in Jesus. Amen. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.